Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Dubervac. And I'm Ross Rubin. We are both longtime tech industry analysts, and we are starting this podcast not to give you yet another news roundup, but rather to tie the tech news that we're hearing week in, week out to some of the bigger and larger trends we see underpinning the industry. There's obviously no better way to start that journey than to talk about Apple. So we picked this week to really dive in. Yeah, good point, uh, Sean. This is one of the touch points of the year in terms of setting the tech agenda. This year, Apple really focused on mobile at the fall event. They have really become a mobile company. And while some people were disappointed that they didn't announce updates to Apple TV and or the Macs or some of their other products, there was a, a clear focus on the iPhone and, uh, of course, the Apple Watch. So I thought we could start with the Apple Watch and talk a little bit about the significance of this. Uh, this is their fourth generation. They seem to have a lot of momentum in the category. What do you think about the changes they made here? Is this a, a game changer? Is it going to help expand the market? The Apple Watch, in my opinion, definitely stole the show. And that's an interesting in and of itself because it has for many years been dominated by the, the phone. And uh, really the Apple Watch, I think, stole the show. And it's classic Apple incremental innovation. They're moving from fashion to function, really driving home this emphasis on health and fitness. So I think it was a, a big announcement for them. And I think it really changes the trajectory of the company. I, I agree. I think this is a, a, there are many elements here of classic Apple product evolution. It's, it's a little bit thinner. The screen is a little bit larger. And of course, they didn't miss an opportunity to say that they have optimized the display of the on-screen graphics now to take advantage of the larger screen because they always want to be driving home to the customer that they control both the hardware and software, and you're always going to get that optimized experience from them. Yeah, and I think to that point, some of the biggest announcements aren't even hardware. The fact that they're launching watchOS 5 and that, that's coming out, I think there's some really interesting things showing up in that. Obviously, you've got some automatic work, workout uh, detection like yoga and hiking. Um, but I also think some of the things that they're doing around the walkie-talkie implementation, I think that really could be a killer feature. Think about when you're upstairs and your wife is downstairs and you want her to bring up something. The way we do that today is we yell down the stairs or you know, we're in the car and they're inside and we have to come in and, and yell up to have them bring something down. To be able to do that quickly in a walkie-talkie-like fashion, I think that's really interesting implementation. I think one thing that they've done to potentially expand the market, I don't think they're there yet, but there was a lot of discussion. I think the feature that really got people excited was this fall detection, and they spent a fair amount of time on it. The watch is in some ways a little bit unlike the phone in that it has this central relevance to health. And Sean, you and I have talked a little bit before about how in the past this has been limited to enthusiasts or some products have even tried to go up market from there and focus on specific exercises. But the idea that you could have something on your watch that is a 
passive health monitor and always on the lookout for warning signs that could signal a critical event, that could be a huge game changer and really turn this category, which has really been kind of a nice to have device. If you're, if you're into notifications, you know, that's certainly been the, the broadest horizontal application into something that just about any customer, particularly with any kind of risk, would want to have close by at all times. Definitely. I mean, it's a very right now discretionary purchase. And it's ironic that we still call it a watch because it really isn't about timekeeping at all. Well, um, we, we don't call it a watch, but a- Apple was sure to uh, point out that the Apple Watch, according to uh, its sources, is not only the best-selling smartwatch, but the, the best-selling watch uh, in the world. Not surprising given the depression of the watch market over the, the past few years. But, but I hear what you're saying about morphing the category, so, so please go on. Yeah, I mean, how many watches do you have to sell to be the best watch producer in the world? You get to do 150, 250, you know, nobody wears watches anymore outside of some of those luxury brands, of course. But, um, but I think if you look, go back to those medical pieces, Apple is becoming a healthcare company. It's, I think it's in their DNA, and I think maybe it takes 20 or 30 years but eventually they get there and it's part of their vertical strategy to build out services. And there's no better place to build out those services than in, in medical spaces too. So to your point, I definitely see them moving this from a discretionary purchase to something that is integrated into our, our daily routines. Mm. Uh, You know, I I think they are definitely building those relationships inside the healthcare industry and they, talked about how this is perhaps one of the first consumer heart monitoring devices that has been FDA cleared. So that is uh, definitely a stamp of approval that certainly we can expect other products in the category to pursue, but they really have the, the brand and the trust to introduce such functionality. And there is a long way to go. You know, there are privacy concerns, which I think they're also pretty well positioned to address. Uh, you mentioned just the integration between the hardware and the software, which for all of Apple's, all, all of Apple's, um, uh, all, all of the fame surrounding their, their keynotes as uh, high profile advantages because they tend to introduce the software in the summer and the, and the devices in the fall, I think sometimes they, they miss some opportunities to provide kind of an integrated message there uh, around the three things. They allude to it, but I think they would be served by going back and, and mentioning some more of the features of, of watchOS 5 a little bit more just to get consumers, because I think this is more of a, a consumer-focused event, just to get consumers better understanding, okay, we told you about how the software is going to play on the devices you have. Here's the new device we're introducing, and you better believe that the new software is going to sing on it uh, in a way that you don't see on on the older devices. Uh, 100% agree. I would argue that the mass market isn't looking at the developer conference and to be able to pull that storyline out now, especially since the software is launching next week, mm-hmm. to be, be able to talk about some of those features, it would, would do them uh, well. 
Um, to your point, getting FDA approval, I think that's extremely big market signal. It should help expand their addressable market, but it it's telling in the direction that they want to go. They're conveying to the market where they want to be. Uh, so I think that's really important. Uh, to me, the biggest issue is battery life. It remains their Achilles heel. And I think it's a huge inhibitor to really getting people to adopt the technology. And they, they just won't admit that point. <laughs> do, you, do you think uh, the screen is also an issue? Is it bright enough at this point? You know, clearly there's a, a little bit of a trade-off there. Yeah, I think we're still figuring what this device is and what it looks like. I think some of the use case scenarios I'm seeing are actually really interesting. So if you look on the Apple site, one of the ones they tout is built-in student ID. I think that use case scenario is awesome. I think that makes total sense. Think of how many places on campus you have to swipe a student ID, the cafeteria, your dorm room, the library. I think being able to have that built into a watch, really interesting use case scenario. So I think they're still playing in a lot of different spaces and trying to figure out what the device is, but the battery life is a key inhibitor to many of those use case scenarios. Sure. This idea of the phone as your identity has been kicking around for a long time, you know, and having um, a tag or NFC or Bluetooth in the phone, in the watch and, and having that serve as a way to use identity for a whole range of things. Of course, they're also using it for payments really could serve to bring out another mainstream application. You mentioned student ID. I know that there have also been trials with tapping uh, train systems or, or stadium entrances as, as proof of tickets. Uh, right now, of course, they're doing barcodes on airplane tickets. So that's, that's another example of, of an application uh, we could pursue. Now, you also mentioned uh, watchOS 5 and some of the features there. I think one of the reasons Apple has had such success in the category, which I think we would both agree is, is still evolving, still emerging, is that they have been hitting it hard. They have been revising this software aggressively every year. And in contrast, the competition, Android Wear, Wear OS, has been a little bit all over the place. They've announced new versions, and then there really haven't been watches that have shipped with that version for a while. They just went through a rebranding. You mentioned the luxury brands uh, a while back. A, a number of those have supported what's now Wear OS, but it just, for some reason, hasn't really had much of an impact uh, on the market. It, it, it gets a sort of a bad rap as something that probably functionally isn't as polished as watchOS, but I don't think it's terrible by any means. What do, what do you think? Well, so what Apple does well is they tell the story. They mm. build out the use case scenario. And that's really what this keynote is more than WWDC is. And so to that point, that's why they need to tell more of a software story and an integrated software story as part of this keynote, because they can outline to the consumer, to the end user, how this will change their life. Nobody did that better, obviously, than Steve Jobs, but I think Apple still has some of that magic to tell the story. And I would argue that's what some of these other categories are, are failing. So when they bring to market a watch, consumers see it as a timepiece rather than something more. 
And I think it's a struggle for a brand like a Movado or a Tag Cure to exude that idea of luxury and identity that has characterized their brand with a smartwatch at this point. I, I can see it working a bit better for possibly a Casio or, or a Fossil or perhaps even one of the sports brands that have licensed Wear OS, such as uh, Adidas. And I think that the price ranges for the watches we'll see there could potentially uh, improve, the, improve the standing of that operating system in the market. But I agree that Apple definitely does a better job of telling the story, but you have to have a little bit more momentum going in your market to get those use cases going. On the other side of the OS world right now, I think that uh, Google and Qualcomm are still focusing more on, hey, here's the new OS and here's the new chip, and we think they're going to be a good match for each other. Whereas Apple says that too, but, but it's almost like understood, right? Because we're developing both. So of course, of course, we're going to you know, optimize the, the heck out of the chip for, for the watch and, and vice versa. And, and there was a little bit of that story. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's true. And certainly they want consumers to believe that that is true. They want consumers <laughs> to feel like that is, is accurate because part of the the vertical strategy and part of this uh, initiative to build out services is to have an, an ecosystem. Well, I may hate that term, an ecosystem of, of products, right? I have a portfolio of products. And so they, they hit that well in certain areas. And, and maybe now we can talk about phones and what they're doing there. But I think they really failed in some of the other categories as far as building out that storyline. Okay. Um, so what to you was the, the high point and the low point of the new iPhone announcement? In some ways, I don't, I don't think there were many surprises. Uh, everybody expected them to rev the iPhone X, uh, and the iPhone S model is a pretty linear evolution of that. You mentioned the incremental improvements. I think this is a good example of that. They focused quite a bit on the processor. They focused on an abstract application of it, which is machine learning, which gets developers very excited. I don't think consumers necessarily understand the significance of it yet. And they also talked about an application that consumers care very much about, which is the imaging and the computational photography and some of the wins that the enhanced processor can deliver in terms of, for example, HDR, and they talked quite a bit about bokeh, and the implication was clear after wiping out the compact camera market, we're, we're coming for you next, uh, DSLRs <laughs> in, ter in terms of the image quality. Right, right. Yeah. And, that, and that's going to be an area that they are going to build out. You know, and they were quick to say that they were the first to do all of these things, though you and I both know that Lightro no, really tiny. Exactly. Yeah, uh, sure. Some but, of these other things. Phone. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so I think the camera becomes a big piece. I think that the struggle, though, is to your point, some of these things just feel incremental. So, like the waterproofing. Um, now you can drop it 30, you know, you can leave it, you can leave it for 30 minutes rather than just 20 minutes. Like, 
people who drop their phone in a swimming pool is probably already a pretty small subset of, of all users. And oh, well, let me flip that a little bit. People want to use their phone in the swimming pool. I mean, they, they want to be able to capture those summer memories. I know I did last summer uh, take videos of my kid jumping into the into the pool and everybody loves the slow-mo effects and it's perfect for that. So people, it's not just about protecting the phone, but it's also, I think, about opening up new applications a, a little bit as well. Yeah, and do you, so do you think we continue to drive that incrementally each year until we're scuba diving at 150 feet with our iPhones? Is that is that where we're trying to go? No, not necessarily. I, I, I think you reach a point of diminishing returns uh, at, at some point. But uh, this is for anyone who's, you know, really wanted to, I guess, uh, go a little deeper or, you know, perhaps swim for a little bit longer uh, and, and not have to worry about the phone um, or, or drop it into a deeper pool. Uh, this, this provides a little bit more measure of assurance. Of course, no phone manufacturer that I know is absolutely going to guarantee the phone against any kind of water damage, but, but it's just a little bit more assurance. And, and you know what, Sean, I, I think that the waterproofing in particular is kind of a way of presaging the move toward a sealed box, right? You want the the ultimate in waterproofing, you got to plug every hole, right? So as they build out wireless charging, as they get rid of the headphone jack, uh, you can just see that they're taking away every possible point of entry for moisture. And then once, you know, if they can have that sealed box, uh, then they can justify that in part by saying, hey, you know, this is the best waterproofing that you're going to get. So I don't necessarily think that that's the leading um, lead, leading feature or, or a big purchase motivator, but it's an additional measure of assurance. And, it, you know, as is often the case with Apple, uh, planting the seeds towards some future future design that uh, they, they just want to sort of prepare the market for a little bit. You mentioned how good they are at creating stories. Sometimes that story building begins long before the product is, is ever introduced by painting a picture of the direction in which they think the industry should be going. Sure. And sometimes they don't even know. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's ironic. Well, sometimes that, they change their mind, you know, in, in the as is the case with NFC. But Right. Well, and, and you were talking originally about cameras and the original iPhone launch steve job never mentions it replacing a camera you know he talks about the oh, it was terrible <laughs> yeah, the only ones were terrible that's why right so. but i think they just didn't see that iterative effect going going into the phone ultimately sure. being able to look that far down and say people would, would use it also as their their phone so what do you see then as the big motivating features that drive upgrades well, I would I would say it's first of all we have to distinguish between upgrades of successive generations. I think there will always, of course, be early adopters who always have to have the latest and greatest. And you know, now that the phone that I have in my pocket can't boast the best specs on the market, I really can't live with myself until I upgrade um, because I you know I can't hold my head up. Uh, I, I will I will bow it in shame 
knowing that uh, I, I don't have the latest and greatest. But but beyond that lunatic fringe, um, it's it's more about enticing owners of phones that may be two years old or three years old that now is the time to move up. So it's less about the improvements over you know the iPhone X, but what they what they convincingly did in in this lineup is is really push this notion of what they consider the phone of the future. And that's why I think the the show stealer was the the XR, in fact, where which makes you know some sacrifices some compromises compared to say the XS, which is the I'm sorry, the 10S, uh, which is the the heir apparent. Uh, but are they things that, you know, to your point, Sean, what do consumers care about? Do they care that it is aluminum versus steel? Do they care that it is LCD versus OLED? Or do they care that it's just a beautiful screen that's, that's going to serve them well and deliver great battery life? And do they care about having one camera versus two? Or do they care about being able to create these cool portrait effects that Apple showcased as the state of the art uh, and that actually Google showed last year, you can create pretty convincingly with one camera. So to the point of Apple pushing back a little bit, they didn't have that functionality in a one camera system last year. They have it now. And some of that may be assisted by the processor. So I think the 10R, even though it's not quite as cheap as you know some of their older phones had been, uh, at seven ninety nine, it's it sure represents a discount from the ten S uh, and provides a little bit of relief for people who want the latest generation, but just simply can't move up to that large ten S Max, which is just a, a tour de force. Yeah, and you throw you know a half a terabyte of storage on it, and you're pushing. Thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, I agree with you completely. The 10R is um, really the the key announcement from the from the event from the week. And I think as consumers drive into to new phones, and S years do okay, right? People are upgrading. To your point, they've got to get a new phone. They're they're upgrading. Price points have come down. The the 10R is the new phone. You could argue mm-hmm. the 10S, the 10 Max. They're extensions of of the original 10 from last year and the, the 10r comes in at a very attractive price point i would argue consumers don't care about some of those differentiations and some of those features plus they're putting a case on it so what do they care whether it's made out of steel or aluminum they're the first thing they're going to do when they buy a 750 dollar phone is put a case on it uh and so we well, that, that said apple did did create it in you know an array of, of bright colors so so to your earlier point about fashion, that's something that they're still thinking about. It's something, of course, that they tried a few years ago with the 5C, and that didn't struggle because it came in multiple colors. It came because it struggled because the screen was too small and it was made of polycarbonate plastic, and it just was not in keeping with the premium aesthetic that customers expect when they see that fruit taken, you know, with a bite taken out of it uh, on the back of a device. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they, they expect a certain level of quality. Apple sells premium products and then premium, premium products. And, the, <laughs> and they tried to do a non-premium 
product and it and it really didn't go very well the the trade pub loves to color loves to cover all of the different colors that these phones come in and i think it does influence consumers at the point of purchase when they try to figure out which one to get but for many of them they're putting a case on it and so it becomes irrelevant a week into it um i think price point wins in this storyline i think the big question will be do they see a price decline in ASP in the next quarter, uh, in that December quarter? Um, and I think if you're a financial analyst, that's what you need to be looking for. If they're able to drive maybe one more quarter of positive ASP, I think that will be a very positive surprise on Wall Street and a positive surprise to the stock. But I think after the next quarter, it's going to be very tough to drive positive growth in, in ASP because you've got something like the, the 10 R you know, starting at sub $800. Right. But the other thing that they're kind of under pressure to do is to maintain that while the market is changing. I mean, the market has changed so much since the five C back then the concern was these really cheap Android phones flooding the market. And, and despite some, speculation by some of the financial analysts. I don't think anybody who has followed Apple for a long time really thought they were going to come in with, with a bottom feeder phone. Um, they, they simply would not risk that, and they are not good at that. Um, so the, the difference now is that this is a premium design phone, but it, it has to be because if you look at what competitors are putting out in that tier it's it's pretty impressive stuff it's it's very they're very capable phones very stylish and in order for apple to stay ahead of that they they have to come a little bit down market but still deliver an experience a premium premium experience to that and that's part of why they need for it to support fully the, the latest operating system. And that's another thing that the 10R buys them. It, it's going to provide a, a good experience, tying it back to everything we said before with their software and services. Well, and and so I, that's and what I, it's all about. And I think that's how they drive adoption is that they bring a suite of offerings that work seamlessly. And so in the years to come, if there's a delta between their price point and their competitors, you'll see them really tout the capabilities of pulling all of these products together, all of these different experiences together. And so things like series shortcuts become more meaningful mm. in an environment like this where you have some price differentiation in the hardware. Uh, you try to tout that the software and services that are overlaid that hardware more than make up for any price deltas. And that's, that's kind of an interesting challenge, I think, that they face because while I think that they have made a ton of progress in the services space in the past few years, historically, that's been an area where Google has had somewhat of an advantage. And of course, they are playing a huge game of catch-up on the hardware. So we'll, we'll see what they have to offer in a couple of weeks as they introduce their new phones on uh, October 9th here in New York. So any, any other impressions? I mean, there were, as I mentioned earlier, there was some disappointment that they didn't update 
a lot of their products. There was actually a minor update to the HomePod that really didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, the air power charging station that they had talked about last year to, to charge this mini ecosystem of products, the watch, the phone, and the AirPods uh, was uh, something of a no-show, but I don't really think that's going to hold anybody back from, from buying the new iPhone. There are many fine charging products, and if you need to use two USB ports to charge it as opposed to one, I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep over that. No, I agree. I don't think charging is a, a big storyline right now. Maybe that changes moving forward, but I think consumers are used to charging their products a certain way and they'll continue to do so. I do think that the lack of upgrades in HomePod is concerning. Uh, you you, know, you see some of these upgrades that were long overdue, like the ability to sell, set multiple timers and simple things like that. But I would have liked to see a lot more happen in that HomePod space. I think the idea of, of Siri shortcuts coming to that and, again, building out that ecosystem, that is, is interesting. Um, but I think that, yeah. that home piece, that home pod environment, uh, voice to computing in your home is an important component of this broader experience. Well, it's no question they were a latecomer to the space, and they certainly don't have the breadth of product that Amazon has uh, that supports Alexa or even Google came into the market with. But they, uh, th this, this is a long-term play for them. They need to, um, they, they, they need to uh, build up the Siri capability, as you mentioned. And that is uh, something that I agree shortcuts is, uh, is going to help with. The one thing, though, is that I do think it is a, an important holiday category product. Uh, and you want to lead with your, your strongest entry there. But it's also important to remember that this is a, a tiny, tiny business for Apple and, and almost a side business at this point, whereas for Amazon, which doesn't have a mobile platform anywhere near the strength of the iPhone, that is their central focus right now because they've been shut, shut out of the smartphone. So, so even though Amazon has a much stronger position, I don't think people should be too concerned that Apple really hasn't turned up the heat on HomePod at this point. No, to your point, it's still a nascent category, despite uh, fast growing, fast yeah, growing, definitely fast growing. Um, but it is a nascent category. And I do think there are some great potentials there for, you know, for uh, for Apple to be able to say, hey, Siri, who who just called on a missed call and having them answer that. So that integration that becomes really interesting. Uh, but to your point. Maybe it's Series 4 or Series 5 or Series 6 of the HomePod that really starts to become meaningful. I think that's what we saw uh, with the Apple Watch. I've seen general commentary that people who had Gen 1 of, of the Apple Watch and haven't worn it since are now contemplating upgrading to Series 4. So maybe the same story plays out with HomePod once we get to 4 or 5. And I think you what you talk about really indicates a theme that I've been looking at and I'll probably be writing a little bit more about in, in the coming weeks, uh, which is this idea that the smartphone in some ways is exploding. You know, we are taking pieces of its functionality 
and putting it in all these different areas, in, in speakers in the home, in watches, uh, in, in services, and perhaps the ultimate uh, place that destination for it is, is augmented reality, uh, which we know is an area that, that Apple and, of course, some of its competitors are, are looking at closely, even though there, there was a, a lot of announcement about it at WWDC, its developer conference. So far, Apple really hasn't followed up with, uh, with hardware, dedicated hardware to back that up, although I think that, that just about everybody thinks that, that they're working on it. Um, and uh, at some point, I'm, I'm sure we'll see that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what, any other big thoughts from the, from the week? So I would, I would just say, I, you know, we, we, we've seen this lineup come up uh, a few weeks after their main competitor, Samsung, revs their product line. It's an interesting transition. Samsung still sticking to formats, uh, industrial design that they, they've had for a couple of years now. A little more conservative. They're still playing up the Note stylus as, as a big differentiator. They invested a, a fair amount of the R&D to improve that in, into that product. Uh, but for now, I would say less daring than what, what Apple is doing in, in some ways. Um, Apple, meanwhile, is, is continuing to push the, the price envelope uh, and really trying one, – one thing that I'll be looking at uh, is to see how well developers take advantage of these new capabilities that they're driving into the hardware – like the larger screen uh, of the uh, 10s max uh, particularly as they move away and retire from some of the older models with the smaller screens it was a very impressive demo to show what they're doing with uh, augmented reality in the games uh, and how they continue to bring up the the graphic quality of that uh, but samsung also had a big games announcement in terms of fortnite uh, coming to the platform exclusively on, on their system, that is a, a big enough phenomenon right now to to probably drive some volume or, or at least a fair amount of attention. So, so we we've seen the two big market leaders make their move. Probably doesn't mean a, a, a lot of transition in terms of the overall pecking order in among those two for now. Uh, both uh, sticking to their strengths, uh, and to your point. Sean, as, as this market matures uh, and we look at these, these incremental features, what, what are they really buying us? Certainly consumers are going to appreciate things like uh, better photography, uh, a, a brighter screen, but it's not really that uh, sea change um, that would, would really be seen as, as a major perhaps purchase motivator. There's been a lot of talk about folding screens. I don't want to get you know, too deep in, into that tangent. But, uh, uh, but, but I think that's the kind of thing that people are really getting a little bit impatient for to see real change in, in, the, in the form factor. Well, and, and to your point of uh, components and experiences of the mobile phone breaking out into their own self-contained hardware, uh, the form factor of the phone maybe doesn't need to change. Maybe the, the form factor of the phone is, is secondary to what's happening. And so in that, we do see, I think, some really interesting things happening. 
look at what the mobile phone did. It it um, cannibalized the phone market. It cannibalized the MP3 market. It cannibalized the video camera market. It became the, it became the everything device. Yeah, it became the everything device. And so you had those hardware categories go away. But now as it starts to splinter and, and bring to market new experiences and new categories, uh, you're seeing p- potentially we're now on the cusp, the beginning of an explosion of, of hardware and variety of different directions entirely new directions driven off of the smartphone so i I don't know that the form factor needs to to change but we could see the birth of entirely new categories of hardware some that we haven't even seen yet i'm sure all right well i think that pretty much wraps up the the uh discussion of what what apple introduced this week i uh uh, I, I think we covered a lot of ground, and um, uh, th- there's going to be a, a number of announcements coming in the coming weeks. Uh, Microsoft is is having an event here in New York in a couple of weeks, and and Go- uh, next week I believe, and and Google uh, is uh, is also um, uh, going to have an event that's been announced here in in October, uh, and so there's um, there's going to be a lot to talk about in in the coming weeks. There is. You can uh, catch us both on Twitter and follow up, drop us a note, let us know what you think, and tune in next week as we dive into the news of the week.